1: Pack a Day Podcast.
2: Welcome back, Packers fans, to the Pack a Day podcast. It is your Saturday crew. It's the first Saturday Pack-A Day podcast of the Green Bay Packers offseason mm-hmm. of the 2021 season. Not something I thought I would be saying this time. A week ago, I am one of your hosts, Jason Perona, of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, Game on Wisconsin, the Quicksilence Podcast, along with Paul Brittle of Dairyland Express, Cheesehead TV, and the Packers Unrestricted Podcast, and Matt Fralick of Game on Wisconsin's The Final Dump Podcast. Gentlemen, thank goodness we we didn't have to do this show right away after last weekend. We're actually the furthest show from <laughs> the game that you can be because the Sunday crew had to had to be the first. So we actually had the most days to recover and do our first show post-mortem of the 2021 season that was the Green Bay Packers. So we'll get into not the game. We've heard enough about the game. We're talking about practice. No, we're not going to talk about the game because it's been dissected plenty of of times. But we will get into some news of the week. Fortunately, we've had a couple days for news to hit. So we have some things to talk about and look ahead. Start looking ahead to the future. Of the Green Bay Packers. So before we do that, as always on the Saturday podcast, what we pack a day podcast, what we must start with is the weather. We go as far east as we possibly can. Everybody in Europe is still upset and sad over the loss. We didn't get any weather from across the pond. So we start in the great Dairyland state of Wisconsin and Green Bay, where Matt Fralick is standing by with your winter weather forecast.
3: <laughs> boots on the ground, Jason. Uh, yeah, it's been pretty. Literally. Literally. Boots. <laughs> yeah. I actually don't even – I don't rarely wear boots, though, thankfully. I don't have an occupation where I need to trudge through snow, and if I do, I just do it with the regular shoes I'm wearing. But, yeah, uh, the boots are usually for, like, ice fishing or something. But right now, it's been absolutely miserable here this week. I feel like it's even been colder since the Packers have lost, or it just feels that way. More than likely, it just feels that way. Um, On Saturday right now, high of 20 Uh, It's going to get down to, I mean, potentially below zero by the end of the night. Um, So it sucks. That's no no ifs, ands, or buts. I want to say like Thursday, it felt like a a heat wave came through because Wednesday the wind chill was like super, super low. Um, It's terrible. It's the worst time of the year to be in Wisconsin. This weekend, I am absolutely stir-crazy because there's nothing going on. There's only two football games only on Sunday. I wish they could maybe split it up over the course of two days, at least fill up my calendar a little bit more. But uh that's really that's going on in, in Wisconsin. Um, and I know we don't have any other weather really other than yours to get to, Jason. So I got to ask, are you were you the one to implement the weather on the Saturday pack of day podcast to rub it in everyone's face that it's nice in Arizona or it just by so happen come about that? It was Paul's idea at one point because he's a meteorology enthusiast. How did, no. how did
1: this come about? Because I think it was organic.
2: For no, it was I organic. Mean, and here's I'll tell you how this how this happened. No, it was not that. Although and I, I <laughs> glo- listen, I gloss I mean, over. I gloss over Phoenix, guys. I, I To be honest with you, I don't gloat. You can't call me a gloater. I don't gloat. No, what happened? <laughs> Happened was it used to be Mark Echo with Paul and I, and so we would just say, "Hey, what's going on, Mark?" That's kind of how it started. Paul can verify this. And the first thing Mark would always talk about was the beach. He was always talking about, "I'm "I'm at the beach." So then finally, I was just like, "How are things looking at the beach?" And then Mark would start kind of talking about how nice it was outside, and it just turned into like the weather. And I was like, "Oh, that's your weather." And then then for for fun's sake, it's like, "Well, geez, you're dealing with that over there. I know it's warm where I'm at." Paul, what are you looking like? So it was just kind of, that's that's how the whole, mark. that's how the whole weather thing got started. It's going to be interesting, actually, kind of also a little bit of somber news here is that there's going to be some changes coming up in the next couple of weeks to our Pack-A-Day teams. So I won't be on the Saturday team for a whole lot longer. Paul and I are going to be moving to Thursdays. We're actually going to be teaming back up with Mark Eckel. Short and sweet, Matt. It has been an awesome ride. And if there was room for four, I'd say let's just all stay together. But, well, remind me, what day you're going to and who are you going to be paired up with?
3: We're, we're sticking with Saturday. I, we're going to give you guys the weather yet, though, because I feel like Mark would be pissed if I took the weather and took it over to Saturday. But I'll be with back again with Janelle, back how we started way back when, uh, when, she, when she was in still college, in college. So we're getting that. And then Eli will be with us, too. So that'll be fun for the Saturday squad. Um,
2: old friend, new friend getting it back together Ooh, so it's like two-thirds of open book and then you have to fill in the yeah try to fill in the the shoes of what would be zach jacobson Jacobson. although that's not not really possible i just need to get my flannel game right so i can match eli from
3: time to time that's that's the
2: goal yep yep absolutely absolutely all right so as far as any other uh, weather that we have here in the in the great phoenix locale while we're we're talking about it here we're still in the high 60s low 70s sunny partly sunny what difference does it make you know I mean overnight lows are dipping into the high 30s but no one has any sympathy for me nor should you and honestly it's why I live out here I'm not going to complain it is one of the saving graces for me when I have a disappointment like that is that I can get outside you know do activities my son is in a ton of sports and he's able to do that because you can play year-round here in Phoenix so I can't complain things are not too bad but our friend in Kamloops Canada Harry pretty bummed out about the way the game turned out. He says, what a gray, gloomy, depressing week of sadness. And our weather has been cloudy, too. <laughs> <laughs> high of 30. High of 30 and a low of 30 with snow expected. That's interesting. So it's like the weather is not going to change. Just I wonder, constant. Yeah, I wonder if that was I wonder if that might have been a, a typo. And I don't have cam loops on my phone to look up the, the weather there. But It's cold. In Canada, and hopefully Harry's starting to get some sun on his side of the mountain wherever he lives there. It's kind of an interesting thing based on where he lives. Doesn't really see it for a couple weeks. So, all right, the Green Bay Packers season is over. They're not playing football any longer, but there's plenty of stuff that's going on. On Friday, a couple of announcements were made. One I want to gloss over and skim over first, and I didn't tell the the gentleman I was going to bring this one up. But Matt LaFleur and his staff were tabbed to coach the NFC squad in the Pro Bowl. And if any of you have followed me on Twitter for any length of time, you probably have a pretty decent idea about how I feel about the Pro Bowl. But I'm going to start with you guys first. Might be a very quick conversation. Paul Brettel, will start with you. Matt LaFleur coaching the Pro Bowl. Obviously, that's not great because it means he's available.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't have too many thoughts on it other than, uh, I mean, I'm sure it'll be a fun week and he gets to head to some warm weather. So there's a plus for Matt LaFleur, but it's him and Vrabel of the Titans, the other number one seed who lost. So, you know, not exactly a game you want to be coaching in. But, hey, it'll be some good weather, I suppose. Brutal. Is it in, in Hawaii? I guess I should have looked that up. I, I good. Think I'm glad I'm not
2: Vegas. the only one that doesn't know. I think okay. it's in Las Vegas now. OK, I'm glad I'm not the only yeah, one that doesn't Vegas. know. All right. All right. So Matt Freilich, obviously, Lafleur being available to coach in this game, not what we wanted.
3: No, I mean, you know not what you wanted. You look at it, you know, obviously not from a tampering standpoint at all, but it's a good way to network, right? Maybe there's some guys you like. Maybe there's some special teams dudes you think. You could go, fill Jason. The- <laughs> yeah, you got you to take it as a positive. You got to look at it, you know, and tell you what, like it, nothing wrong to see Matt LaFleur on the sideline, get a little bit notoriety. I mean, the, the I mean, Vrabel, there'll be some good sound bites from this, whether it's Matt LaFleur or at least Mike Vrabel. It'll be fun. We'll like it. It'll be great. So. Uh, I would prefer him to be the uh, <clears throat> the shrine game coach or something like that. The senior bowl. That would be even better. You can get a better look at some talent, but we'll set it for the Pro Bowl. And well, I mean, I always say I'll never watch it, but it'll be on my TV because what else am I going to watch the, the week in between the NFC or the the championship games and the Super Bowl?
2: I'll be honest with you, Matt. I actually would find something else to watch. I think that is one of the most meaningless sporting events, not just in football or of the major pros, but it is one of the most meaningless sporting events out there. It is just turned into this huge joke. I don't know why they don't just embrace what it's, sh- what it, the weekend should be, which is a skills competition or do something mm-hmm. more fun that they're going to have some skills competition. I know, but I just think do it's that. on Thursday, but yeah, don't, don't play it, the game. I mean, don't, don't even bother. I mean, these guys don't, always, but and, and the only, the only reason I think they still have it is because there's, clauses and contracts all over the place that guys if they make the Pro Bowl they reach you know certain escalators and they get paid and I know that it's it's still an honor for them to get selected but you can still come up with some sort of an honor and not make these guys like have to try to pretend to suit up and play in some meaningless game I mean I'm not saying go risk injury and because the Pro Bowl used to be competitive I mean it used to be when you had back 20 years ago you had guys playing hard and they didn't want their side to lose. And I I remember there was one a couple of years ago where Eric Weddle like laid somebody out in the pro bowl. And it was just like, everyone was looking at him like, yo bro, take it easy. It was like Rudy Mm -hmm. out there on the field, you know, I don't know. It's just, Gosh, it's it's such a I just think they can do so much more with that weekend. Don't take the trip away, like still let them take their families and celebrate being one of the best players of their position. I think you honor the players. I'm talking about the game itself, not the idea of of that weekend. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. I mean, when you but when you think about it, too, Paul, when you're doing research for your articles and stuff like that, you still look up stuff like that. If, how many Pro Bowls have they made? Because it's it's still a, a, a way to measure
0: a guy's career.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like you said, the important part for many of these players is that for some reason, it's still making the Pro Bowl is still tied to some bonuses Mm -hmm. in their contracts. And the reason I laughed a little and scoffed at that is because a lot of it is fan voting. Yes. You know, Devondre Campbell, an all pro, did not make the Pro Bowl. And I don't know if in his contract he had any sort of those bonuses in there, but if he didn't or if he did, like that's a travesty that he's missing out on that because You know, a lot of times it seems Pro Bowl voting because it is so much fan oriented is like a year or two behind. You know, the player Mm -hmm. needs to have some success for a year or two and then they'll get in. Or if it's a position that's just not paid attention to as much. Like I think about like Jeff Saturday making the Pro Bowl when he was with the Packers at center. Oh, he didn't even finish the
2: season of starting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like he was. For, you know, He had a number of years where he was Peyton Manning center and one of, if not the best centers in the game, absolutely. But he was not that player when he was in Green Bay, but there's the name recognition. So I think that I, nothing's probably going to change, but it, that's one thing that I would look at tweaking. And same, same thing you said, Jason, just for the safety and health of the players. I hope as many Packer players as possible make the Pro Bowl for the reasons just mentioned, but I hope they all choose to sit out as well. Yeah for safety's sake. So, all
2: right, Matt LaFleur and staff going to coach the pro bowl if anyone's interested in watching it, you can send me a recap of it. I probably won't watch it, so I'll need I'll need to know what's going on with that whole thing. But all right, on we move some additional news that came out on Friday. The Packers are looking for a new offensive coordinator because Nathaniel Hackett was very deservedly so offered the head coaching position of the Denver Broncos and he will be heading out west. Saw nothing but accolades from the players, talking about how he wasn't just a great coach. He was a great guy. The gold zone talk, all those things. He was a big part of the culture, even though he didn't call the plays. Rejuvenating the offense after a couple down seasons. Matt LaFleur brought him in as his guy, and he had some interest from other teams around the league as well. I think he spoke with the Minnesota Vikings. I know he was talking with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags were set to have him interview again, and the Broncos pounced and hired him. And as would be expected, then he's got to put a staff together in Denver. And so the thought was which of the Green Bay Packers current coaches might be on Hackett's radar. And that would have been offensive line coach Adam Stenovich, who we learned is not going to be interviewing for the Broncos offensive coordinator position like I believe was hoped. So it would seem like if we're reading the tea leaves – as Paul likes to say, Adam Stenovich seems to be very, very top of line as an in-house candidate to be offensive coordinator. Matt LaFleur said earlier this week that that candidate was already in house, but as is required, the Packers had to also interview some other folks from around the league. So they interviewed Chargers tight ends, coach Kevin Kroger. And are they expect they are expected to interview Eagles quarterbacks, coach Brian Johnson for the offensive coordinator spot. So, uh, we'll talk about Luke Getze. We'll get to him in a minute. But guys, let's start there. A mouthful there with Nathaniel Hackett leaving what it means for the offense. And it sounds like, as expected, either one of Getze or Stenovich was going to become the offensive corner. It seems like it's going to be Stenovich, which I'm very much on board with because he was such a big part of keeping the offensive line together. And they're very, very good performance. So, Paul Brettel, your overall thoughts on all of that.
1: Yeah, Hackett is absolutely deserving. I mean, just to get an understanding of who he is as a coach and as a person, there's plenty of articles out there with quotes from Aaron Rodgers discussing both of those aspects. Um, so incredibly well-deserved. And I think after his name popped up a little bit last season, I think he interviewed for Atlanta a year ago. And again, Rodgers personally called the Falcons, their general manager at the time, or someone in management and you know gave his or, you know, told them that Hackett is deserving the job and all those reasons. So I think we all kind of went into this season, you know, we don't think about coaching staffs a ton, but, you know, especially when it's not the head coach, but I think we all went into the season kind of understanding that this was probably going to be Hackett's last year in Green Bay, and that's what happens. When you're a successful offensive team, as the Packers are, The many of the offensive assistants and coordinators, as we're discussing here, are going to get poached for uh, – higher gigs or, or better job positions, So incredibly well-deserved and he's going to be missed. I know he brings a, if you ever had the opportunity to watch any of his press conferences with reporters, he's, he's uh, just got a, a magnetic personality. And so he's certainly going to be missed uh, around the organization. And he, he's of course was a part of putting together the game plan, but his specialty each week was the gold zone. As Jason mentioned, 2019, the Packers, had the second most efficient red zone office offense 2020. They had the highest efficient red zone offense, scoring a touchdown on 80% of their red zone red zone visits, four out of every five. So, again, absolutely well deserving. And then Adam Stenovich does look like he's in line to be the offensive coordinator. Uh, Lafleur had to do whatever he could to try to keep either Stenovich or Getzine, and we'll get to Getzi here in a second, as Jason said. But what he did with this offensive line unit, we've seen their depth on display all season long at one point Royce Newman was the only week one starter who was in his original position and most offensive lines that experience the number of injuries and movements that the Packers did they're gonna really really falter but this unit they held well for the most part of course it helps having an MVP quarterback but for the most part Rodgers had the time in the pocket that he needed they had to rely on the quick passing game a little bit but still they did a fantastic job and then in the run game they were effective for the most part or effective enough I should say it was really a, a, an outstanding job with Stenovich leading the way in that regard so as the floor had to do he had to figure out a way to keep one of those guys and it looks like that's going to be Stenovich.
2: yeah and, and it's the continuity there is is something that the Packers want to maintain And I know that teams in the past, Packers teams in the past, were really big on not letting their coordinators fly. But we heard Matt LaFleur say earlier this season, before all this went down, that you don't want to create a culture of keeping guys stuck and make them feel like there isn't an opportunity out there. So if they get a chance to go fly somewhere else, then they absolutely should have the opportunity to do that. So, Matt, anything to add as far as Nathaniel Hackett, the offense, the prep, the play calling, all those things that he did so well. And even though Stenevich moves into a new role, it's still change, even though he's already in the building. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, I think it was, you know, there's not a lot of guarantees for any of us going into this offseason. I think one of them, though, to me was that Hack was going to get a job elsewhere. He had, like you said, interviewed for the Atlanta job last year, had previous head coaching experience, um, was able to take, you know, for he was able to take Blake Boros and turn him into an AFC championship game quarterback whether or not whether or not he faltered in that game play calling or not like it was tough to keep the guy down again and the fact that he was able to revitalize everything with rogers and the way and the success he did have in the red zone i think it was just it was huge and like paul mentioned like we were able to see his personality exposed in the gold zone that he was the one that kind of created all that or leaned into the gold member movie like it's just it was awesome like so good for him i mean you had to expect that the change thing is Rogers isn't a big fan of change. obviously, I, I'm sure he knew this was coming on the pipeline. There's been change over the past with the quarterback coaches that he's been pretty pissed about. Um, but you kind of expected this one. Senevich, I think, super solid guy. I mean, you could make an argument that it's like, shoot, he had seventeen guys on the in the offensive line room on the you know the training camp roster. Of course he's gonna have a good you know outcome, but you still got to get those right pieces in the right spots. I mean, there was moving around from guard to center to every and like it was every which way. Uh, so I think whatever he put on paper each week was damn good. Um, got me wrong a couple times, especially with the uh, Nijman stuff. Like there was many many times where I was second guessing him, but week in and week out, the best five were out there regardless of injury, regardless of performance or what we thought was going on in practice or not going on. Like. He he's a super super solid, and um, I, I'm sure I knew this at one point, but Wikipedia is always goaded for this. Marshfield, Wisconsin grad, Get the old WVC grad. So it's like shout out to Stanovich, uh, good Wisconsin boy staying in the in the state, and more than likely they like him a hell of a lot to block him from getting an interview elsewhere, which is which is fantastic. Down the road, I'm sure before I let him do that, but right now he's a uh, he's going to stay in in Titletown. Well, and I think one other.
1: Oh, yeah, I was ahead. just going to say one other thing I want to add. and The reason that the Packers can block his interview is because it's a lateral move. If Stenich is offensive coordinator in Green Bay as a non-play caller, with Hackett expected to be the play caller in Denver, he would be the offensive coordinator in non-playing calling duties. So it's in as the NFL sees it, a lateral yeah. move. So Green Bay has that right to do so. As we'll talk about here with Getze, there's the potential for – an upgrade, I guess you would say, because he has an opportunity to call plays for Chicago.
2: Right. And that was what I was going to say was it's, it's being called a not able to block it, but really it's just the Packers want to keep Stenovich in, in a, in an elevated role as he's very deserving. And guys, I will say one thing as I'm listening to you talk through the offensive line and the best five out there. I'm just, I'm glad that we're not talking about the game and we're not having to sit here and talk about, why the configuration that the that they went up, went with in this game, which I don't really think was that big of an issue. I mean, you know, everyone talks about Billy Turner at left tackle, but the Packers had much bigger problems. So mm-hmm. anyway, we can move on from that. Paul already kind of mentioned it here. Quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator for the Packers, Luke Getzey, has been offered the offensive coordinator position with the Chicago Bears under new head coach Matt Eberfluss. Is it Eberfluss or Eberfluss? You, yeah, you got it. Which one is this? Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Whatever Thank one you. wanted to yes. <laughs> Matt everflus Eberfluss. Uh and that would be a play calling uh position there. So this would be an opportunity for Getsey to move into not just an offensive a full offensive coordinator role, but get a chance to call plays as Eberfluss is a defensive guy. So um, the Packers obviously had to let uh, Getze interview for that role, even though I'm sure Matt LaFleur would like to keep him as well. This is where you guys have already mentioned it, Aaron Rodgers being very particular about his coaches. You remember when Alex Van Pelt was let go and how emotional and disturbed Rodgers was about that. I think that kind of started the whole, I'd like a voice in the room type of a thing. And uh, and it just kind of snowballed from there. So if Getzee does in fact move on, the Packers are going to need a new quarterbacks coach and, you still have, as far as it is right now, Aaron Rodgers is, is still the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers as it stands. So, Paul, we'll start with you since you, you brought it up. Luke Getze, passing game coordinator, you could do a lot worse than having Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur and all the talent the Packers do to help him get himself ready to maybe take that next step. But you got Hackett and Getze potentially both leaving now and if you as you look at it in totality. You might have some talent to backfill it, but these are, these are two guys, and Getze in particular, one guy who has a lot of respect around the locker room, especially of one of the most important figures on the team, which is the quarterback.
4: Support for the Packaday podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you 20% off in free worldwide shipping with code Packaday at manscaped.com. Friends, inside this package, you're going to find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. And let me tell you a bit more about this Lawnmower 4.0. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, sort of important, thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is also waterproof and has a 400k LED spotlight you need for a more precise shave. Right now you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code PACKADAY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code Packaday. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. The new year is a great time to focus on what's important to you. Whether it's saving money by ordering less takeout, learning to cook, or prioritizing your wellness, HelloFresh is here to help you with endless options to make cooking at home simple and enjoyable. Personally, I'm really trying to work on my weight this year, and when I found out that HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients right to my door, including farm fresh produce that arrives within a week, I was all in. Skip the trips to the grocery store, saving you long wait times and ensuring you don't waste your money on excess food, and sign up for HelloFresh instead. HelloFresh has helped me eat fresher food with better portion control and has helped me live a healthier lifestyle. I highly recommend the teriyaki chicken tenders, by the way. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Packaday16 and use code Packaday16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash Packaday16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Remember to use code Packaday16. That's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Getzy, if everyone recalls, before he was brought back under Matt LaFleur, he was actually here during Mike McCarthy's time with the Packers and then went on to call plays for a season. I think it was at Mississippi State mm-hmm. uh, before coming back. So I think that I, I like that dynamic with um, offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators when they've had experiences in different systems. As we know, McCarthy and LeFleur, what they run is very, very different. But I, I like having that, uh, that, just that experience, because then it lo- allows you to kind of cherry pick, you know, oh, this worked really good here, this worked really good here and, and um, mold your own thoughts and play calls and everything like that. So, But he's heading to Chicago, or I shouldn't say that. We think he's going to head to Chicago, uh, where he's going to have Justin Fields at, at, uh, at his disposal. So Packers are going to have to run into him twice a year moving forward. And in regards to the Packers and their side of this, now that's another position that they're or coaching position that they'll have to change quarterbacks coach passing game coordinator. I believe each Malafleur does a terrific job of delegating duties. Uh, as I mentioned, Hackett works specifically with the red zone. I think Getzy's, uh primary responsibilities with the game plan each week was third down situations. I think Stenovich had to do with running downs, things of that nature. So Lafleur does an excellent, excellent job of delegating that. So that's just another opening that the Packers are going to have to replace. And as we just talked about with Stenovich With him being promoted, now the offensive line uh, coordinator is going to have to be uh, – they're going to have to find someone else there as well. So coming into this offseason, we thought about what the possible roster turnover is going to be, and there may absolutely end up being a good amount of that. But this coaching staff, particularly on the offensive side of the ball – is going to see plenty of turnover as well. And LaFleur is going to have to do some hiring. And I know it's easy with these, especially the core, not the coordinator positions, but quarterbacks coach, offensive lines coach, to not think about those hirings. But when Matt LaFleur hired Jerry Gray to be the defensive backs coach, that was in the offseason where they signed Christian Kirksey, Rick Wagner. It was a, from a free agency standpoint, it was a very quiet one, especially compared to when they got, went and got Turner and Amos and the Smiths. But that might have been, in that offseason, Green Bay's best addition. It's not a coincidence. I don't believe it's a coincidence that since Jerry Gray has gotten here, uh, the emergence of Rasul Douglas. I mean, Rasul talked about how Jerry Gray uh, based, not taught him, but helped him become better at watching film and what to look for. Since then, we've seen uh, Jair Alexander. He became a second, I believe, a second team All Pro last year under Jerry Gray's first year. Eric Stokes. Uh, you know his play, his evolution as the season went on. He became a really, really good cornerback uh, over that final third of the season. Even Kevin King, hey, he's had his mistakes, but there was a three, four game stretch this year where we saw Kevin King playing some good football against the Chiefs, Bengals, uh, Seattle. So Jerry Gray has absolutely played a role in taking that uh, defensive backs group, many of them young players, to another level because before Jerry Gray got here, we knew there was talent in that group but they were young they were inexperienced and he's really helped refine their play so i know these these coaching talks specifically the position coaches you know i know it's not necessarily maybe the most exciting thing but i just look at jerry gray and what he's done here in two years in green bay as a prime example of how important these hirings can be
2: they're massive we're not done talking about coaches and potential changes and changes and culture and matt LaFleur who's done mostly a, a good job. You put together three straight 13-win seasons. You hosted the playoffs two years in a row. Unfortunately, you didn't get a conference championship game for the second year in a row, but you had a bye week all three years. So, yeah, Getze. And and as far as I can see here, unless I have missed something that's come out, Getze's still mulling this offer. It's not 100% official that he's he's mm-hmm. uh, has taken the job, but it would seem like one of those things that – if you want to elevate yourself and his goal is to become a head coach at some point that you want to pounce on the opportunity while it's there, even if it is with the Chicago bears. Right. So it's my little tongue in cheek jab at our (laughs) neighbors to the South. But Matt, your thoughts on Getze. I mean, I feel like we're all in lockstep here. I mean, you'd like to try to keep these guys around, but at the same time, there's a reason why they're going somewhere else. And that's a feather in the cap of, the Packers and Matt LaFleur for developing somebody that other teams want on their sideline.
3: Yeah. I don't know. I, I really like what Paul said to to start his answers that you get a guy that's gone somewhere. Maybe he was in your organization for a long, long time, went somewhere else, fine tune what he did, his processes, maybe took something from another coach's playbook or the way he ran practices or techniques. And you come back and you're able to incorporate there. It kind of validates um, you as an organization to say hey if the guys get able you know good enough to come back and have some success elsewhere bring them back obviously there's only a one-year stint down at Mississippi State with Getsey, but even so it's still a new environment see how you can do there and you come on back so um, unfortunately like it would it would suck to lose two offensive coaches like this in in one period of time I think it's it's impactful um, you mentioned it too Jason like these guys these they made a lot to the locker room I think it was I wasn't until you know early 2000s when the whole Daryl Bevel thing with Brett Favre uh, that was a huge thing right he, he didn't like Daryl even and that was his dude and same thing with uh, Van Pelt like we mentioned it's there is some turnover in the locker room when it comes to the coaching staff and you know the roster and more often than not the roster gets scrutinized and the you know the coaching staff is more of a next man up mentality or who's the hot hand out there and to lose two guys like Hackett and Getsy would be unfortunate um, but it seems like the way from what we've found out this year um and paul's mentioned a couple times the the delegation from matt lafleur and what he asks his offensive coaches to do you know he has them do what they are they're good at if it's short downs uh third downs red zone or gold zone i should say like find guys what they're really good at you know maybe transition some responsibilities to other guys that maybe are better at something than a different guy don't you know don't ma- you know don't maximize a weakness so i you know it would suck that Getsy would leave i i I tend to think he wouldn't go down there to the bears. It seems like a tough situation. Maybe wait and see till a better opportunity arises. Maybe he wants an opportunity. I mean, he does. He's been with the Packers organization for a long, long time, close to basically 10 years when you put it all together. So maybe it's time for a change of scenery and a little bit of an upgrade, but it seems like you would prefer to stay in a a somewhat comfortable situation. Wait till that next opportunity arises. Um, But overall, if he wants to go on and move on, that's obviously his call and uh, more power to him. Hopefully he can have some success down there with Justin Fields. Cause I mean, why not? Let, let, let him have a shake at it. But overall, I'd like to have him stay to at least have some, um, that offensive
1: coaching room still intact. In I'll just hit on one thing you mentioned, Jason, and that outside of special teams, which I'll turn over to Jason here in a second. Malafleur does have a good track record of hiring coaches. He brought in Hackett, Stenovich, Getze, Joe Barry, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Jerry Gray, as we mentioned. So, if we look, and it's obviously, as Matt said, it's tough to lose these guys. You don't want to, but it's part of part of the gig, especially when you're a team as successful as the Packers. But take take solace in that Lafleur has done a, a good job for the most part with these hires.
2: Yeah, it, it, to me, I talk about culture all the time. And it's hiring the right guys and the right people. And that is, I don't have any question in my mind that Matt LaFleur can do that. And I think he'll continue to do that and, and be phenomenal as a head coach. And overall, I think that's one area where Matt LaFleur does, does pretty well in, in building his culture. But I, I guess I'm going to kind of talk out of the other side of, of my mouth here for a second. Because we're sitting here talking about two coaches that really performed well help the Packers do some really good things. We talked about the offensive line and how well they performed and look, look, at, look at someone like Josh Nyman. I mean, it's crazy to me that we got Packers fans that are literally ticked off that an undrafted free agent who had never played any significant snaps in the NFL wasn't starting a playoff game at left tackle over Billy Turner, a seasoned veteran who has actually played really well. So that's a credit to Adam Senevich, Luke Getz, and guys like that. On the flip side here, we're in hiring season. So coaches are, are getting hired. Eberflush just got hired by the, the Bears. The Vikings just hired a general manager. So other teams are looking for coaches. And there's we've heard about, you mentioned special teams, Paul. We've heard some special teams coaches that are out there. Now, obviously, interim head coach of the Vegas Raiders, Rich Bisaccia, was a special teams coordinator before he had to take over when John Gruden was let go. And you wonder if, if Bisaccia wants to go back and coach special teams or not. But for a team like the Green Bay Packers, who had such an abysmal season on that side of things, for as good as the culture has been with LaFleur and he, as as he has set, he he did, you know, he he brought Mo Drayton up from the special teams assistant when they let Sean Menenga go last year, after the special teams underperformed. And I said on Quick Slants earlier this week that Mo Drayton, I think, is is his time is, he's maxed out. I, I don't think there's going to all of a sudden be this resurgence from him. And, and I said before we started recording, it's not like Brian Gutekunst is going to go to the well in, in the draft and forego trying to improve the offense and defense, which is the lifeblood of your team, and draft a bunch of special team studs in the first three rounds. That's just not going to happen. So you're not going to get this massive influx of talent on the special team side of the ball. Not to mention, you gave starters to the special teams unit. They tried to put starters out there. Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, you know, guys like that, that were supposed to be out there helping block and it just didn't work out. You had the changing of the long snapper mid season. There were all the kicks that got blocked. And of course, what happens in the playoff game? The one thing we talked about all season long was this team's got everything in front of it. Let's just hope special teams don't show their behinds. And sure enough, they did. A block field goal, which takes three points off the board right away, and then a block punt. And apparently, nobody can see in the snow at Lambeau if you're wearing a Packers uniform and that's your home stadium. They can't locate a football, and the Niners are walking into the end zone with another seven points on special teams. So, if you're going to, so what I said about Drayton was I think it's time for him to go. And as Matt LaFleur is walking him out, which has not happened, Mo Drayton is still employed. I do think that Matt LaFleur does need to apologize. Tamari Strayton for hiring him in the first place. He wasn't qualified to to coach the special teams or run a special teams unit. He's just, it's, it's obvious from the way that things went this season. Nothing improved, nothing changed. There was no emphasis. The few times he spoke to the media, there was nothing that he said that was inspiring whatsoever. And maybe that's boring by design, as Mike McCarthy used to be, and he's just not good in front of a microphone. I don't know what he is good at. But it's definitely not being the head of the special teams unit, at least for the Green Bay Packers. Maybe he goes somewhere else and finds success. But if Matt LaFleur is going to trot him out there again, you're punting on special teams. Absolutely every pun intended in that statement right there. It's going to be the same thing next year as it is this year. I don't care what new players you get. I don't care how many new, how much improved Amari Rodgers is as a kick returner or if you're going to get yourself this stud long snapper and draft him in the fourth round. I just don't think the special teams are going to improve. So for as much as Matt LaFleur has done well, the special teams is just something that it doesn't seem like you... They've gotten what they emphasized, which hasn't been a very, very strong emphasis on special teams, because if they were, that's a gross failure. If you're emphasizing it and you still put that product out there in the playoffs, that's not great. So if the Packers are happy with who they have, I guess we all have to live with it because we're not the ones making that decision, but we're in hiring season right now. So if there's a change to be made or talent out there and an upgrade to be made at the special team spot, Now's the time to strike, but the Packers don't have a job open at this point, which is still kind of baffling to me This at this point of the week. So, Matt, we'll start with you on this one. Special teams, it did what we all thought it was going to be, and it looks like the Packers may, at least for the time being, try to run it back with the same leadership on that side of the ball.
3: Yeah, it it, it was bad, it got worse, and then it absolutely fell apart. And the worst opportunity, or the worst potential Scenario to lose a playoff game when you probably had no business losing that game the way it was going so um, It's upsetting uh, one year in with Mo Drayton I was optimistic the way he was possibly going to be able to take over from his predecessors who frankly didn't give him All that much to go off of um, I, You know, I've I've kind of gone back and forth on this and Jason brought up a good argument earlier um, that Mo should be gone Paul also chimed in with his views. We talked about it through text today. I, I honestly think it's just a, it's an unfortunate situation if he is a casualty and gets fired after one year. So be it. I think that's a tough shake for him though. Um, and I know the argument of him, you know, having some caliber you know, higher caliber players like special, or excuse me, like starters, uh defensive or offensive starters on the defense or the special team side of the ball is part of the argument. But at the end of the day, like one year in give the guy a break. I mean, I, I, let him let him try it out again I know it's a it would be it's really really tough for a guy that failed so miserably in the biggest moments and there was foreshadowing of it for a long long time for it not to be fixed but I feel like let him have a full offseason figure it out from there I mean that's it's it's really tough to say that because special teams seems like an effort thing to me and there are some things that just blatantly didn't look like there was much effort towards it in the um, in the divisional game. I mean you' the last play of your season you're only gonna play with 10 guys. I mean that just can't happen. So I, unfortunately, I, I guess I, I say, give him another shot at it. I don't know what that looks like. If it, he needs more players, if it's just more of implementing his own scheme. Um, but to counter my own argument, it's like, he's been on the staff a long time, right? He's been there. It's not like he was just pulled off the streets for one year and he's getting a broad deal. Like he had been a part of that locker room, that special teams room. So he should have some you know, knowledge of the game because he's been a special teams coach for a number of years. So I, I unfortunately, I guess say, keep him there another year, but um, you would think a change would have been made already. I don't know what the special teams coaching situation looks like. I don't think Basaccia comes here. I, I I would imagine he gets a head coaching out with the Raiders. It sounds like the Bears are taking a look at him too. But I say let Mo run it back again. And if it's if it's anywhere around the same caliber, even if it's a, a slight upgrade, I'd say get rid of him. There'd have to be a vast improvement probably to keep his job
2: for a third year. Before we move on to Paul, Matt, Aaron Rodgers comes back. And it's his last season in Green Bay and you get some of your players back and we don't have to go into the doldrums quite yet. The Packers have another successful season. I have no idea what the numbers are going to look like or how many wins they're going to have. But they get in the playoffs again. It doesn't matter whether they're hosting it or not hosting it again. They get into the playoffs. They've got a team that's good enough to win it all. They get in there and you have another special teams meltdown and we're having this same conversation a year from now with your take on give him another year as a fan and as somebody who's going to be asked to break it down and help everyone else understand, what are you going to say if that happens? And I'm obviously we don't know, but what would you, what are you going to say if that happens again? That's my concern is I don't know what I would say. What would you say? I have no idea. I mean, if you're, if like,
3: like if you're Matt LaFleur and after the second or third game, you have to answer some questions about, Some schematic things that Mo Drayton did. I I don't know. I mean, you gotta just wear it, right? You gotta say, hey, this is this is our guy. I trust Coach Drayton. He didn't have our best performance today. I mean, there has been some there was some stuff. I mean, they switched the the long snapper. I don't know whose call that was. That didn't help things at all in the middle of the year. Crosby was a little bit uncharacteristic, but overall, I mean, there was just I don't know how much of blame you can put on Mo Drayton I think there's a ton that you can put on him Um, but yeah I mean it's a gamble you're gambling your reputation if you're Matt LaFleur or myself saying that to bring back Mo Drayton I just don't know what the alternative is to come in and try to piece together a a really bad core of guys to try to turn it around I don't know how much better that can be with a guy off the street that's I, I don't know. It's it's tough. It's really, really tough. And special teams is generally an overlooked thing unless it's a punter or a kicker. And unfortunately, it was super scrutinized every freaking week this year. And you'd hate that to happen again next year because even if it's a, an improvement, there's – and Mo Drayton's there. And weeks and weeks and weeks go by, and all of a sudden there's just a blunder or two or there. He's going to get blamed entirely. So he, he almost has to have damn near a perfect season if he comes back is, um, and is coaching the Packers.
2: As somebody who's going to – have to answer those questions at the first sign of trouble, Matt LaFleur might might start seeing a little gray creep into that that beard and yeah. goatee of his, Paul. Wouldn't you eyebrows maybe even even. Yeah, right. as, as, as far as the special teams the special teams go. I mean, and you wrote a lot about it a we saw Rick and we we saw Rick rankings and just all the things we just not want to we happen unfortunately not Yeah, to mean,
1: unfortunately this Yeah, I mean, I this point for me, uh, I mean, Moe Drayton, he's the coordinator. Ultimately, he's the one to blame. However, there were certainly plenty of miscues out there that just, you know, can't fall on him. The bobbled punts, uh, Isaac Yadam running into a return man. There were plenty of miscues out there that just don't fall on him. Um, But what I do want to say is that if he's gone and they bring in someone new, I'm still not going to feel optimistic about it because this is an organizational, you know, uh, issue that they have it's not as if the packers were good a couple years ago not as if they were even good five seven ten years ago at special teams they've been bad at special teams for a long time and like you said jason you get what you emphasize and obviously none of us are at practice i don't know in the two hours each day at practice what percentage of that or time is devoted to special teams but based on the results and what we've seen i'm gonna guess not enough and so it starts there with an emphasis on it uh, you know, just like it, you, as you guys mentioned, you don't think about it a lot unless it's an issue, but it needs to be emphasized as much as offense and defense because it literally just cost the Green Bay Packers in what was many thought to be a last dance. We'll see if that's true or not, but it cost them a playoff game. And in addition to that, we know we talk about it over the summer, especially when it comes to cut downs. If you're a fringe roster player, young player, special teams is your most likely avenue to making the final 53, but perhaps it's time that Green Bay begins looking at some of the more seasoned players to take some of those snaps because obviously you don't necessarily want to put your veterans in harm's way. Lafleur talked about that, but when push comes to shove and it's an elimination game and your unit's been struggling all year, you know maybe it's time to do more of that, and he did. Uh, Razul Douglas saw snaps, Alan Lazard saw snaps, but Lafleur also mentioned during the game about how, how many starters were on special teams for the Niners that Kyle Shanahan had put out there. So there's – we don't – obviously none of us have the answers, uh, as is the case with just about anything in football. There's more than one answer to it. But to me, even if Mo's gone, if a new special teams coordinator is going to be brought in, there's that's not enough for, for me to suggest that things are going to be better. You know, Maybe they rank 28th, which, hey, I guess a step in the right direction – but the thing with the Packers special teams unit, especially if Aaron Rodgers is here, we aren't asking you to be a top 10 unit. Heck, you don't even have to be top 15. B20, B22, B23, just eliminate the egregious mistakes. That's That's what the bar is right now. So for me, it's, it's, it's an organizational change that needs to be made, the emphasis on it, you know, <clears throat> If you make a free agent addition, does he have special teams value as well? Does he have three, four, five hundred career snaps under his belt? So going back to what I said earlier, maybe you don't need to rely on as many first year, second year undrafted seventh round rookies or second year players who, yeah, they have the speed, the upside. But special teams, it's, you know, the the miscues from those inexperiences obviously can be detrimental to the team so i think those are a few ways we can go about you know for trying to pick a few things here and there other than coaching on how green bay can go about trying to improve but again your guys guess is as good as mine
2: i i just again i i don't there's you know that's not the one thing you want to blow up again when, when it's something that you could see coming from a mile away and it happens i just i can't see how you would possibly want to let that squander an opportunity for you. So it was his third third chance to try to get a championship. They couldn't do it because of an area that they'd had trouble with all season long. And that's been a hallmark of the Packers. They get to the postseason and between the things that we knew were going to get them and uncharacteristic things like guys fumbling, Mercedes Lewis. I don't know if he'd fumbled in his entire time in Green Bay prior to that game. Last year it was Aaron Jones, some of those anomalies. You just You really want to want to avoid that. I just don't know why you would want to set yourself up for something like that and and try to say and stand in front of your fans and your players and say, hey, we're doing the best thing that we can to try to win. But you keep doing the same thing over and over again. We all know what the definition of insanity is. And at this point, I think it would be the definition of insanity for the Packers to trot the same mentality, guys and things out there and not emphasize it and not do anything different or, you know, try to. I guess I'll liken it to a few years ago when Mason Crosby was struggling in in 2012 and in 2013. I think they brought Giorgio Tavecchio into camp, which was not to try to compete with Mason Crosby, but I don't want Matt LaFleur to try to tinker with a couple things and say, oh, look, see, we're trying to improve the special teams, but they're not really doing it. I just don't want to have to be having this this same conversation next year and say they they could have done it because eventually those bites at the apple are gone. They're going to be gone, and the Packers are going to be rebuilding at some point. It's not maybe next year. And they might have an opportunity to keep the team together, which would be a blessing for those of us that want to see competitive football in Green Bay. Not that they can't be without Aaron Rodgers, but he's still their best chance to win. I don't want to see that whole thing blow up again. So I did have some pretty, pretty intense thoughts on the whole situation, which I shared there. So those were kind of the storylines of this week with as far as the Green Bay Packers go. We will be back next week. I think next week is our last show together as a trio gentlemen on Friday before the week after we start our new assignments and you'll listen, you'll hear Paul and I with Mark Eckel and Matt will stay on Saturdays and he'll be with Janelle Mackey and Eli Berkovitz. So one, one final thing I want to
3: bring up here as yep. a recording, I don't know if you guys saw checking Twitter, <clears throat> social media related Devonta Adams posting on his Instagram story, a uh, little light bulb emoji playing some DMX, little Kim uh, lyrics of, you know first you get the money or first you get the respect then you get the money whatever the hell that means also report out that he's looking for 30 million dollars a year obviously <laughs> with the franchise tag him that's not going to happen 30 million dollars probably not going to happen if he's not franchise tag so small little tidbit to throw in there because i'm sure by the time people are listening to this there'll probably be more social media bs going on but something to throw out there and monitor but obviously no shit Devonte adams wants to get paid yeah. the- Duh. Like, <laughs> and I'm sure
2: and I'm sure Packers fans will absolutely keep their level heads on with Devontae Adams putting anything on Instagram or tweeting anything, because that's what we do. We don't read into anything and we don't definitely don't we definitely don't get worked up over something I'm, we don't totally know the definition of. Right.
1: Not to, not to extend the show too long, but I'm going to go down a very, very quick rabbit hole. Oh, please. Um, <laughs> so Devontae, Devontae Adams and the Packers, they're obviously at different numbers for the contract. De- Devontae feels he should be the highest-paid receiver in football, which he absolutely should be. But the Packers and Devontae have, what I believe, a different viewing of that. So I think it was two years ago, Julio Jones was the highest-paid receiver in football at $22 million per year. DeAndre Hopkins gets traded from Houston to Arizona they add on two years to his deal, that average annual value-wise comes out to twenty-seven and a half million per year. So that absolutely blows out Julio's deal. But if you're the Cardinals, you inherited, I think, three years and then added on two. So if you add up the total money, even that new money, DeAndre's average annual value over that five years is only like 19 or 20 million. So I think that's where the big so it depends on what you look at. Uh-huh. Is it the two years and 27 and a half million? Yep. Hey, pay me more than that. That's the market value. But I think the Packers are more so looking at, well, Julio's is, you know, that that was a four year deal, 22 per year. So I I think that's kind of where the differing viewpoints are in what is who is the highest paid receiver currently
2: No doubt, Totally. Yeah, it's subjective. It's subjective because you can use all sorts of different metrics. And that's going to be a big story. Will he or will they or won't they? Will the Packers keep Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, will they go somewhere else? where they both go somewhere else together? Are they both going to Denver? What's going to happen? We have no idea if there's a lot still to be said. And that's going to make the Pack-A-Day podcast a ton of fun throughout the offseason. But that'll do it for this edition of the Saturday show. Before we sign off, we're in offseason mode. So I know I'll continue doing quick slants. That'll come out on Mondays if there's a second show. Uh, it'll be during the week at some point if there's any news. But definitely Monday's going to cut it back to one day a week during the offseason. Matt, I know you and Brendan are going to continue doing the Final Dump uh, podcast on Fridays. As far as I understand, I listened to this latest show in its entirety. Kind of started my day with that, so good job. Kudos. So you'll be back sure. doing that. And Paul, what happens now with you at Dairyland Express and Cheesehead TV now that it's the offseason, and are you still doing the Packers Unrestricted podcast as well?
1: So we're just going to keep plugging away, as we always do. And the Packers Unrestricted podcast has been moved strictly to YouTube, so you can find it there just under my name, Paul Brettel. Subscribe, like, greatly appreciate it. But a few articles that I have out, two of them are salary cap related. I put together just a quick guide to the Packers salary cap situation this offseason and some of the moves they can make, so how an extension, restructure, veteran cuts, how those work. I um, also had another article discussing the salary cap just because it's such a big topic. And when it comes to resigning someone like Devontae Adams, if the Packers want to pay him $30 million per year, they can make it work. But it's all about give and take. If you pay Devontae $30 million per year, you're not resigning Devontae, you're not resigning Rasul, you, you probably got to cut Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith. So it's just about the give and take. If you're signing someone, what other moves have to be made to make it work? Lastly, at G-Said TV, I asked the question, we know the Packers don't put a ton of value draft or money-wise into inside linebacker, but does Devondre Campbell in his play of the season change that potentially? Absolutely should if it doesn't.
2: And if you want all that great insights and all the, the opining and all of those good things as far as numbers and ideas, there's a lot, a lot, 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 lot worse places you could look then paul brettle and all the great work that he does over at dairyland express and cheesehead tv so thanks everybody for flying along for another great weather report and another saturday edition of the pack a day podcast we will be back next week everybody wherever you are at stay warm stay safe and always and forever go pack go